I am Josh, a park ranger stationed in the beautiful Yosemite National Park. It has always been my dream to protect and preserve the natural wonders of this place. Little did I know that one fateful night would forever change my perception of the park. It was a calm evening, and I was patrolling the vast wilderness, keeping a watchful eye on the park's visitors. As I made my rounds, I noticed an unusual stillness in the air, as if nature itself was holding its breath. I couldn't shake off the eerie feeling that something was amiss. As I continued my patrol, I stumbled upon a narrow path that seemed unfamiliar. Curiosity got the better of me, and against my better judgment, I decided to follow it. The path led me deeper into the heart of the park, away from the bustling crowds and into the embrace of nature's secrets. The further I walked, the thicker the air became, filled with a strange scent that sent shivers down my spine. It was an odor I had never encountered before, a putrid stench reminiscent of rotting flesh. It clung to the very fabric of the forest, making each step more unbearable than the last. Just as I was about to turn back, a silhouette emerged from the shadows, towering over me with an otherworldly presence. The figure was impossibly tall, its limbs elongated and disjointed. It stood before me, its eyes burning like hot coals in the darkness. Fear paralyzed me as I gazed into those fiery depths, feeling as if it could peer into the depths of my soul. Without warning, the figure beckoned me forward, guiding me with an unspoken invitation into a nearby cave. Reluctantly I followed, compelled by an unknown force that I couldn't resist. The cave was a labyrinth of shadows, the air thick with the same nauseating odor that had accompanied the figure. The walls seemed to close in around me, suffocating me with an overwhelming sense of dread. Suddenly, as if releasing its grip, the figure dropped me onto the cold cave floor and vanished into the darkness. My heart raced and I scrambled to my feet stumbling my way out of the treacherous cavern. I emerged back into the night, gasping for breath and covered in cold sweat. The figure was gone, leaving only lingering questions and an indescribable sense of unease. Little did I know that while I was entangled in that surreal encounter, my father was battling his own demons. News reached me that very night, as I emerged from the depths of the cave, that my father had suffered a fatal stroke. The world around me seemed to collapse, and grief consumed my every thought. Since that night, I have been plagued by the memories of that encounter and the untimely loss of my father. Yosemite, once a place of solace and wonder, has become a haunting reminder of the strange and unexplained. I continue my duties as a park ranger, but the shadows now hold a deeper meaning, and the unknown lurks just beyond the reach of my understanding. We have around 200 acres of woodland. Me and my dad live on the front end of the property, and on the back side of the property we have a rustic hunting cabin. No water or electricity. The back end of our property also sits on the edge of a state forest. You have to travel something like 12 miles before you reach any kind of road or trail. Several years back during deer hunting season my dad and I were sitting around the campfire back at our hunting cabin. It was near dusk, and we were done hunting for the day just relaxing. We both saw something moving in the sky that caught our attention. 
a larger purple shape about the size of a small car was floating along just above the tree line. It was moving rather quickly. It came from the direction of the front end of our property, came towards us, went above our heads and continued back toward the state forest until it disappeared from sight. If I had to guess I would say it was moving about 15 miles per hour. It didn't look like a cloud, but it didn't look quite solid either. We both saw it happen and just kind of remained silent for a minute, and then confirmed that we both saw it. Neither of us had any good guesses as to what it could have been. Only thing I can come up with is swamp gas. But that's not a good explanation I don't think. That's my strange hunting story. It hasn't been enough to keep me out of the woods, but creepy all the same. I'm a wildlife biologist. I do a lot of work in Northern Collie and Oregon, and during the summer I work nights. I'm female and do most of the work solo. Last summer I was hiking in deep woods in Northern Collie, about an hour and a half from my truck with no cell service. Around 1.30 a.m. I had finished up surveys and was heading back when I suddenly smelled something odd. I continued up the steep hill, and as I came over the top I was suddenly on the edge of a large camp. The area was cleared and I could see several tents and UTVS and trash everywhere. That weird smell? It was a porta potty. I could also see a fire pit with several figures sitting around it. I stopped dead, immediately dropped to the ground and scrambled behind a tree. I was close enough to hear some mumbled conversation and occasional loud laughter. The only reason there would be a camp that far into the wilderness would be to grow weed illegally. These people can be very violent, and many people involved in the industry go missing every year. Women especially can be swept into sex trafficking, never to be seen again. I got out my spot device GPS locator and satellite messaging and sent my location and situation to my supervisor. I crawled as quietly as possible back down the hill before retracing my steps to take a long way around. My adrenaline ran high until I got to the safety of my truck, and I crashed hard and cried on the phone to my supervisor. That was one of the more terrifying moments in my career. I've had several encounters alone with large predators, but nothing is scarier than encountering a group of strangers alone in the deep woods. This report details a sighting I, as a police officer, had of an apparent bipedal canid in a suburban township of a large city along the Navajo. The original sighting came from two boys who were riding their bicycles. They spotted what they thought was a man walking with a dog, but upon closer inspection, they realized it was not a man. That wasn't very long after this that I also reported seeing something very similar during my own patrol shift. It had been raining for some time, so there was plenty of mud to have casted footprints and possibly even made impressions upon. Leading up to my first encounter, I first noticed some sort of unusual activity at around 7.30 p.m. on May 23, 2011. It was. Very shortly after this I got out of my vehicle to investigate, leaving the engine running in case I needed to make a quick getaway. I saw something large beneath some trees on the other side of a wire fence that had been knocked down beneath power lines. As it looked up at me, 
I saw what appeared to be a canine but standing on two legs instead of four. The creature did not stay around for too long. There's no more information about its exact size or weight available. It was described as being at least six feet tall, reddish-brown fur all over its body, which could be interpreted by some people as being wolf-like. Whatever this creature was, it sure knew how to quickly escape from me. As there's no clear information on its speed or general mannerisms, the boys immediately called their father and described what they had seen as a tall man. The sighting drew a lot of attention to the area, and soon other people began reporting seeing similar creatures. In fact, a Navajo tribal officer also witnessed what he would call a skinwalker, reported it to be at least six to seven feet tall and walking around the same neighborhood. Although that was a separate incident altogether and occurred right after some time after the boy's own sighting. This report included a statement by a third witness who claimed the creature may have been used for some sort of camouflage or stealth while hiding in some trees or brush about 50 feet away. Shortly before seeing me, this man said he had heard dogs barking and howling in a terrible way. This bipedal canine was also described as being covered in dark hair that was more reddish-brown. This eyewitness account came from an 18-year-old Navajo male who claimed to have also seen the creature on May 24, 2011, right around 12.30 a.m., near his home. It is unknown whether or not all three witnesses were together during any part of their sighting, but it seems likely due to the creature's size being so similar. My sighting happened within less than a mile away from where these two others had seen this. Thanks to Lyle Blackburn for his assistance with this report. I come from Phoenix, Arizona. I haven't traveled to many places during my life but I was born, raised, and schooled there. Since I didn't want a boring city job, but I didn't feel like moving either, I signed up to be a ranger in the Tonto National Forest. The job wasn't easy or fun all the time, but at least I didn't have to sit in a crowded office all day. I loved my job for the most part. I really did, all up until a crazy night that I won't forget. I was working my third shift, starting late in the evening. While doing the first tour, it was still fairly light outside. There wasn't a whole lot to see. Many people had already gone home, and the rest were well on their way. I finished the tour, headed back to my station. Time flew by quickly, and I was already getting prepared to do the second and longest tour of my shift. I had to walk about four miles down a rocky road, all the way to the Theodore Roosevelt Lake. The walk down was quite easy and very quiet. I reached the lake in less than one hour. I was a bit tired from walking, so I sat by the lake to try and get some rest. The first thing I heard was a splash. It sounded like a very large fish jumping out, falling back into the water. Shortly after that, there was another, but this one was closer and louder. It sounded far too big for a fish. I got startled a little bit, so I stood up and began slowly backing away from the lake. The thing in the water began to speed up as well, and I could see something waving its tail towards the shore. Still walking backward, I was focused to see what would emerge from the water, and the first thing I saw was a mouth. A huge mouth, a long one with many teeth, slowly creeping out from the lake. 
I moved faster back up the hill, turning my head to see what was behind me. After a few steps when I turned my head, I realized the creature was already running towards me at full speed, looking somehow crocodilian. Its legs were short, but had huge claws on its feet. It resembled the famous Bear Lake monster. I was terrified. Even though it was short, it was moving and closing the distance between us. And my instincts kicked in. I managed to pull myself up quite high on one of the pine trees. I stayed up there for a whole seven hours while this thing waited for me to come down. Only when the sun had come up did it disappear. I finally got off the tree and sprinted the full four miles to the station. They sent over divers and some police, but didn't take what I had reported too seriously. I still work there, but I refuse to go near that side of the forest. And trust me, I get crap for it all the time from my buddies. Last year around this time, June 28, 2021, my friend, we will call her Dana, my other friend, calling him Jana, and I all went on a camping trip. It was deep in the woods in Alberta, Canada. The trip was going good. It was in the middle of nowhere. No cell service, no bars, nothing. But we pained, listened to music and all that jazz. One day, Dana and Jana were both sleeping in the tent. It was 2 p.m. and I was sitting alone outside. I start hearing this screaming. John, John help me, John where are you? And that repeated four times the same way, same spacing. I'm not going to die in the woods, so I didn't check it out. I stayed where I sat. When the other two got up I explained what I heard. Me and Dana went to the river that was close by, leaving Jana alone at the tent. We came back 40 minutes later and Jana is sitting his pants. He explained that he heard the exact same thing as me. Including how the pauses where I explained the pauses when I told them both about the screaming a few months later me and Jana went back there, but the two of us. On the last day, me and Jana had this gut feeling that we were going to die if we stayed the last night. It was one of the gut feelings that you trust. And I know it wasn't anxiety, this feeling was literal terror. And, we're going back there with Dana in a few days. First of all, let me start off by saying this is not a joke. This is a genuine sighting report. It was half past two in the morning, and it was completely silent. I was in the bathroom cleaning my teeth, getting ready for bed when suddenly I heard the letterbox lift up and violently slam, as though someone had purposely done this to get my attention. Usually, when it is very windy the letterbox will bang and clutter, but never this loud. Besides, it was completely calm outside with no wind at all, so I found it rather strange and quite perplexing that it had slammed like that. I quickly finished off and rinsed my mouth, placed my toothbrush down on the side, and then quickly went downstairs to look out the hallway window and see if there was anyone outside mucking around at this ungodly hour of the morning. At first, I couldn't see anything, but when I looked along the hedgerow, I saw what I first thought was someone large hunched over on the path. I moved the net curtain to get a better look, and it moved slightly, becoming more visible within the streetlight and moonlight combined. Now this is going to sound really farcical and strange, but I could now clearly see that it was not a human, 
It looked just like a werewolf and had a long snout like it was straight out of a Hollywood horror movie, which sent chills rushing through my spine. It turned its head and looked at me the light causing its eyes to shine reflecting some light. It was good that I had previously been to the bathroom before seeing this creature, or I would have needed a clean set of underpants. I bravely banged on the window pane and it darted away hunched over. After it ran down the road setting off many security lights in the process, I promptly retreated away from the window letting go of the net curtain still in complete shock. I bucked up the courage to walk down the stairs and check the front door just to make sure it was still locked and secured which fortunately, it still was. I then swiftly went back upstairs and went straight into my bedroom where I sat down on the bed still in disbelief at what I had witnessed. It scared me because it's not something you typically see. Had this werewolf creature seemingly slammed the letterbox to get my attention so that I would look out the window and see it and be terrified, which I actually was. After studying ufology and cryptid creatures for over two decades now, I can confidently state that they are just a generated construct within our reality. Yes, it is a real physical werewolf that is dangerous and could tear anyone limb from limb who was unfortunate enough to be outside and unwittingly run into this deadly savage beast, but it is a generated construct that has been placed there purposely by an unseen intelligence to cause fear and stifle my research by putting the frighteners on me. This is possible because we are living in a quantum simulation, and therefore anything generated can be real to us. I have come to this conclusion because I have witnessed this phenomenon firsthand changing shape and form on many separate occasions. I have seen a mothman and a goatman, and I have photographed a hideous merman creature at Hope's Nose Torquay. I've also seen a man with a lizard's head and many other strange anomalous things that people would find farcical and hard to believe. We are definitely living in a simulated reality controlled by invisible outside forces whose agenda is totally unknown to us, and these generated cryptid creatures can become a reality within our world at any time and seemingly at any place. This encounter took place at 2.30 in the early hours of the morning on the 1st of June 2023 at Newton Abbott, Devon, England. All the best. Not a sighting but hearing two very unusual howls in the woods behind my property October 1st shortly after midnight full moon too, so it was almost like your classical horror movie script. I live in the town of New Portland, Maine. Lived in the Maine woods all my life and I am very familiar with the sounds of local wildlife. It certainly weren't coyotes, as I hear them mostly every night. Not Bigfoot-like sounds either as I looked up on the internet. Two short howls about 20 seconds apart from each other, canine in nature, but deeper and louder big lungs. Hard to determine the proximity, could have been as far away as a half a mile from my property, but it sounded nearby nonetheless and I had a strong gut reaction to better go inside, while I have never felt threatened by any wildlife sounds before. Just reporting this as backup in case there would be reports of sightings in this area. I also like to report a possible sighting that a friend told me. In August of 2016 early evening he got chased out of a farm in Lexington, Me, which is not too far from here. He is an avid hunter, and he described it as something way bigger than a bear or a moose. 
He was alerted by his two Rottweilers in the back of his truck going in full panic mode. When he saw something huge, standing on two legs next behind a tree 20 ft away in his rear view mirror. It then leapt on all fours toward his truck. He started the truck and bolted out of there, seeing the thing chase him in the mirror for a short while. Don't think he reported it as he still can't really accept what he saw and he doesn't like talking about it. I did not know about Dogman back then when he told me, just started researching after I heard the unusual howls I heard a couple of days ago. I hope this is useful to you. My experience was not a visual encounter, but hearing unusual howls, unusual enough to start searching the internet. I listened to the audios on the link you sent me. Honestly what I heard was not alike any of those, although it came closest to the third audio which sounded more like coyote to me. What I heard was the howl being shorter in duration, but deeper and louder. Exactly this aspect suggests that it was bigger than a coyote, wolf or dog. That and a gut feeling being very, very uncomfortable and feeling I need to go inside quickly. Like I said, I hear the coyotes almost every night around here. That howl was one time only, have not heard it since and I am glad of that. The sighting in Lexington 2016 was by a friend of mine. He told me once, just after it happened, but still can't come to terms with what he saw, and he rather not talk about it. I had never heard of Dogman back then. It wasn't until I started researching your site and other material two weeks ago, that I connected the dots and realized that was probably what he had seen and what I might have heard. Altogether I thought I reported, as a confirmation in case of other reports in this area. When I think back to my high school days, a peculiar memory always comes to mind. It was a long time ago, but the events remain vivid in my mind, as if they happened just yesterday. One gloomy afternoon, my buddies and I received news of our friend's grandmother's passing. They lived in a secluded area, far from the bustling city and surrounded by nature's embrace. It was a place where the wind whispered secrets and shadows danced in the moonlight. A week after the funeral, seeking solace and distraction, we decided to go fishing. As we cast our lines into the calm waters, laughter mingled with the gentle ripples of the lake. Little did we know that an eerie surprise awaited us upon our return. As we approached my friend's grandmother's house, our eyes widened with disbelief. The lights inside were inexplicably switched on. A chill crept up my spine and a sense of unease settled in the air. My friend confessed that this had been happening ever since his grandmother's passing. With a sense of duty mixed with trepidation, we entered the house and promptly turned off the lights. We decided to distract ourselves and headed out to grab a bite to eat. An hour passed, and as we returned, our hearts sank at the sight before us the lights were on once again. Baffled and intrigued, we flicked the switches back to darkness, our minds spinning with possibilities. Could it be a faulty electrical system, or perhaps an unexplained quirk of the house? Determined to uncover the truth, we ventured into every nook and cranny, clutching a gun for a false sense of security. But our search yielded no results. There was no trace of anyone within those walls. When I was 11 years old, 
I went camping with my dad and my stepmom in a small town in West Virginia called Barnum. The park we went camping in was called the Barnum Whitewater area. Anyways, there wasn't a place to shower, and the bathrooms were just a hole in the ground, and their errant words to describe how vile they were. Our cabin was nice and cozy, and was maybe 20 feet away from the river. One night, we decided to leave the campground to grab some food, because we had almost no food. So we went to get sown food, it was really good lol. But anyways, we went back to the campground around 9.30-10 and decided to drive around, well, about one quarter of the way around. There is Essa girl randomly standing on the side of the road with what looked like a torch. We pulled up to ask her if she was okay, and she froze, we thought she was drunk and drove off. As we came back around, about seven or eight dune buggies come around the corner, and you're not allowed to have those in that campground. We were like whatever and went to the cabin. We saw that the screen to the window was pried open like someone tried to break into our cabin. We were debating on leaving and going back to where we live New Jersey when a guy comes up to us with that same girl we saw in the woods. He asked if we knew her because she was scaring him and his two kids. We said no and he walked off and the girl followed. We decided to get the hell out of there and while we were packing inside, she comes up the driveway and sits down on the porch and we tell her to get the hell off of the porch, and she starts crying and runs away. The final time we saw her, she came up the driveway and started calling my stepmom her mom and my dad her dad, and we had not a damn clue who the hell this girl was, I can't really remember much about her, but I know she was blonde and she was pretty tall. And finally, we left. Now we called the police, but they said they couldn't help us for two reasons, one, we had already left and two. The cops are not active after midnight. What if someone's being attacked or threatened with a gun and is about to die or something? We were in shock, so we went back and drove the freaking four hours back to New Jersey where we live and we didn't get home until like 4 a.m. In the hazy grip of a potent high, my friend and I decided it would be a thrilling idea to sprint through the dense woods. Our senses heightened and hearts racing, we laughed uncontrollably, unaware of the danger lurking in the shadows. Suddenly, as if conjured from the foliage itself, a man clad in complete hunting gear materialized before us. His cold eyes locked onto ours, and with a commanding voice, he uttered words that froze us in our tracks. You kids are in a hunting area. Git. Time seemed to stand still as we absorbed his chilling warning. The weight of the situation settled upon us, drowning out our intoxicated amusement. It was a wake-up call from the realm of darkness we had blindly ventured into. The hunter's stern demeanor and the menacing glint in his eyes left an indelible mark on our psyche as Not a hunter, but me and my friends were screwing around about a mile deep into the woods near my house, and we found a pink suitcase with a name tag on it. We looked the name up, and it was the name of a missing girl. Called the cops and handed it over, but they never found her. They searched all of the woods in the area after that, and still nothing came up other than her suitcase with some clothes and some toiletries.
also me, my husband, my daughter 7 and niece 8 came camping this weekend. We've camped at this place 4 times never had any issues. Last night, we were setting up and about to start making dinner this was about 8pm when my daughter looks at me, looks behind me, looks back at me. I said, what? She said look behind you. There is a little kid, couldn't be more than 6 years old just standing there watching my daughter and niece play with a soccer ball. I figured he was here camping too and just interested in what they were doing. My daughter invites him to play and he runs back in the woods like he got scared. I didn't see him for about 15 minutes so I figured he went back to his campsite. Then he comes back and at this point it's dark outside so we asked where his parents were. He said he didn't have parents, so I'm like. Then my husband asked if he was camping here. He screamed at my husband. My parents are dead and am homeless I sleep in the woods. I said, okay well that's not safe at all buddy, I'm going to call somebody to help you, he said. Please call them, I don't have a family. So I start to call the non-emergency line. I gave him some food and a Gatorade and told him to hang out until help got here. Cops got there about 10 minutes later. They start trying to talk to him. He takes off running into the woods and yells that his brother will be back for us. Cops chased after him. No idea what happened after that, but I did not sleep a wink last night. It was the creepiest thing I've ever dealt with in my life. There's no houses within 10 miles of here. I'm so worried about him but so creeped out about the brother thing.